0: Welcome to Circuit Break from Macrofab, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and organizing your thoughts. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 402. Circuit Break from Macrofab. I wish we had something like scary, spooky to talk about engineering this week, but
1: Ah, man, I wish we had a theremin fired up. Woo!
0: <laughs> yeah, this episode comes out on the 31st of October, which is Halloween. So the following Saturday from this episode coming out is uh, November 4th. And that is the Extra Life 2023 stream where we raise money for children's hospitals all over America. This year, I'm going to be streaming Jedi Fallen Order. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, But I do have my site open now. It's all set up. It's extra-life.org slash participant slash Parker Dillman. That link is going to be in the show notes. It it sounds like you need a ULR ULR shortener on that. Yeah, the the problem with most of those, like the shorteners you can just get. is like just random characters, which doesn't sound any better while saying it. Sure. Oh, and I, I came up with a name for it. Actually, I didn't come up with this. One of my friends, Zerth, he came up with Extra Life Day Revenge of the Holiday Special. Nice. So I like that a lot. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to dress up as, I already got this costume done. I'm going to dress up as a stormtrooper on vacation. (laughs) Wait, wait, explain this. Okay, so I wanted to dress up as a stormtrooper, but basically this same thing happened last year. To make a wait, co- wait 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 wait! Can I can I guess? Is this a stormtrooper helmet with like a Hawaiian shirt? Almost, almost. Okay, <laughs> yeah, almost. The problem with costumes is to make them look really good, you have to spend a lot of money, a lot of time to make them look great. Okay. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, but I can just go get a stormtrooper suit. Those are a thousand dollars, and I'd wear it they're not cheap once. <laughs> so, and you can rent them, but I couldn't get one rented for. That weekend. So and also the rentals was still like a couple hundred bucks. Which was also that might be really hot to just sit in like plastic armor
1: for twenty four <laughs> hours. Yeah. For,
0: yeah. So I have a friend that's letting me borrow his stormtrooper helmets. So I'm like, I at least got the helmet part. And so I bought a black turtleneck, you know, because I have like a black under armor kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. a tank top, a white tank top that says twice the sun's twice the fun visit tatooine (laughs) and so that's stormtrooper on vacation
1: okay i I dig it yeah yeah Yeah.
0: so so it's it's
1: close to what i was going Yeah, it's very
0: close when you said hawaiian shirt i'm like yes yeah basically because i actually have a couple like star wars hawaiian shirts but like you couldn't tell on the stream that they were hawaiian like You could tell they were Hawaiian shirts, but you couldn't tell that they're Star Wars ones. So I needed something that would be more visible. Just overtly Star Wars. Yeah, overtly Star Wars. So now I'm trying to think of what's the costume I switch into when we hit our goal. And I don't know exactly, but this is my current idea. Gonk droid. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Are you going to get... Like a trash can and just take the the door
0: off of it. Yeah, get a recycling like a like a Tupperware container or something. Like make like a mini Gonk droid, so it's like not a full size because you won't be able to see it all on stream. But if I like made one that like was my upper body, right? I'm wondering. It's a recycling container,
1: you know, like a trash can at at a at a food court. Yeah, with that has like the little swing trash door buy one of those and take the trash door off and just get inside of it.
0: Yeah, and then put some uh, 3D, print some like circuits on the side and paint it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I wonder how, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how
1: much what, something like that cost. I It's probably not. It's You probably don't want to spend that kind of money.
0: Well, you can just also just use, most people just use like storage containers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It just spray paint it gray. Yeah. I'm thinking about doing that. That is also not going to be comfortable to wear for however long I have to wear it for. <laughs> Oh, no, that'll be but, brutal hot. And like, because I won't be able to lean back in a chair. That's my current thought is gonk droid. Oh, I guess they're called restaurant trash receptacles. That makes sense. I'm probably just going to make it at like a $10 storage container from like Home Depot or something.
1: Oh, man. Okay. I'm finding some that look mm, chef's kiss gonk droid. Uh, they're about 270 bucks. So, Oh, the costume? no not the costume a trash can oh trash
0: can okay (laughs) you gotta remember it has to come over through a webcam over the stream and the stream is already (laughs) like (laughs) 720p resolution you're right it's got to look better than you inside of a trash can yes it has to look (laughs) it has to i want to look like a gonk droid not just a trash can
1: oh yeah oh okay yeah, if you if you if you just Google Gonk Droid costume, there's people who have taken Rubbermaid containers and just yes. glued them together,
0: and it looks good. It looks good enough. Yeah, but and you won't even see the the thing is you won't even see like my lower half. You'll just see like from my belly button basically up, and so I don't even know how much of the costume I have to make, or do I make like a mini Gonk Droid, right? And like hmm. the head of the gonk droid is like my head, like the top half. And then the bottom half is like my upper torso. I don't know yet.
1: The the, the one thing about gonk droids is they don't have arms. Correct. Uh, so are you just going to like put the controller in? Uh, well, you're playing on a computer, right? It's yeah. not a controller.
0: Oh, my hands will just be out of frame. Okay. Okay. Gotcha.
1: But I don't know if I'm going to do gonk droids yet.
0: I think it's a good idea. It, it also sounds incredibly uncomfortable. What if I made the gonk droid, the body of it was like a helmet? Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. And then put like little feet at the bottom that go below my chin? Yeah, there you go. That just kind of dangle there? That could work. That'd be way easier to make. Uh, I think you should probably put
1: some kind of fan in there to at least blow some air so you n- it's not just like, stagnant air inside of a plastic helmet
0: oh yeah i'll have some mesh that i'll breathe through i mean then again you're wearing a stormtrooper helmet so yeah there'll be mesh that i can breathe through and that kind of stuff i think that's what i'm gonna do that's that's the setup i'm gonna put together a full gonk droid but it's just on your head basically yeah yeah that'd be way easier to ha- and that will actually probably look cooler on the stream too oh by the way and also when i i we go into that mode i only respond with gonk <laughs> For like hours. Well, however long it takes. There
1: needs to be some kind of threshold for, you know, this is what triggers the gonk costume and this is what triggers getting out of it. Oh, it's
0: it's hitting our, our goal. OK, OK. Yeah. Ten thousand dollars. But but there needs to be
1: a threshold after that
0: to get oh. out of the cock. Uh, we didn't have one last time. OK, well, yeah, we, we just had like we hit ten thousand and then I switched to the costume. Man, that's coming up. That's not even two weeks away. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't even started the code yet. (laughs) Nice.
1: Sounds like that's what you're doing this weekend.
0: Yeah, actually this week I'm working on... um, First, I'm going to get like the old code working again. Because the great thing is that I made a really good framework for it. And now I'm just adding in like AI APIs. So I think what I'm going to do is I have a voice model for Darth Vader. And I'm going to have Darth Vader do all the call outs. Nice. And then probably have like a Darth Vader... Sentence synthesizer, not Chat GPT, but a similar AI model. What are they call language model. Basically, make a Darth Vader language model.
1: Are you feeling confident
0: about uh, the game
1: getting through it? No,
0: not at all. Um, <laughs> I have been practicing. Yeah, and I've been dying a lot. So, which we, I've slightly modified the rules for the deaths this year because that game you just die a lot.
1: No drink on death.
0: Well, yeah, it's it's you take a sip on death. So, like, if I have a beer, you just take a sip of it. Okay. It's when you lose. So, you, like, when you die, you lose all your experience points to, like, that creature, okay, that killed you. And so, when you reach that creature again, you can get your points back by hitting that creature. Mm, okay. But if you die again before reaching that creature, you lose all your experience. And so the idea is going to be if that happens, basically it's like double death, basically. And you have a double death; it's a actual like shot. Oh wow! Okay. Because that doesn't happen. I think that's only happened to me once in my like, current playthrough. It's crazy. Most of the bosses, I'm like w- being able to like one shot through them. Just blaze it. Yeah. It's just the other things. Like sometimes we're like it just throws like tons of enemies at you, and you're like, well, action economy just works against you. So I'm learning, like, what are the spots in the game where I can just straight up just run away from the groups of enemies and don't have to deal with them and which ones I had to fight. <laughs> you you got to learn all the cheese. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was hoping to be able to play through it like twice before, but I think I'm not going to be able to get through it once. So, yeah. But yeah. Probably the night I'm going to get the uh, code working and make sure everything's running on it and then uh, start implementing the AI stuff. That's going to be cool. Oh, and then I'm like, one thing I'm going to try to learn how to do is Python capture of the keyboard. Because I want to be able to like press a button on my keyboard that they make these what's like stream decks where like you press it and it's like its own HID device, right? Hmm. So you press a button and then something happens in some other program, right? Like a hotkey or something like that. Well, I want to do is or, or kinda... it goes to
1: Amazon and buys Tide Pods for you or something like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to do that similar functionality, but just through my keyboard and through my Python app. So what I want to do is like I press a button and it like increases the death counter or something like that. And most Python ways to capture the keyboard that the Python application has to be like in front, uh, that to be active, the active window. But there is a couple ways to do it where it can just be in the background. And so that's what I want to figure out is, can it like passively read the keyboard and get my keystroke? Basically like a key logger. I'm building a key logger and running it on my own computer.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Just to capture like a couple button strokes to see if it will do something. Oh, and that's also another thing I want to try to do. My stretch goal for my software is I want to display what my inputs are on the stream. Oh, wow. Okay. So just got to make sure I don't like type a password or anything <laughs> during the, during the <laughs> game. But I want to be able to show like I'm, what like I'm doing with the mouse or whatever. I don't know if I can do the mouse yet. I should be able to do left click and right click and like all those mouse buttons, but maybe not the movements.
1: Yeah. How would you display it? Like I could just see like a a virtual mouse pad with like a thing that moves around.
0: Yeah. It could just be like, I could read like mouse acceleration and a vector and just draw an arrow and like the faster you move it, the longer the arrow would get,
1: I guess. Yeah. That thing would probably be freaking out.
0: Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) It'd be
1: hard to watch it and and understand what is actually going on. Yeah. I don't know if that's really, I don't be for next year. I've seen a bit of those on like fighting games with controllers and stuff to, yeah. to see what, what button inputs are. But for a mouse, that's a little odd.
0: Yeah, I, that's why I got the idea is because um, the keyboard would definitely be easy to do. But I got it from watching some fighting game streams where like they're showing like the combos and stuff. Right. So yeah, yeah. extra org slash participant slash Barker-Dillman. Go there, donate. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then hang out for the stream. Yeah, November 4th is going to start at 8 a.m. On to more topics. So we launched our new community last week. It's going well. Actually, we have more people in it than I thought we would at this point. So that's good. We actually have a really good topic from Tom Look on the forum. And it's organizing and documenting your projects, like for your personal use. So that's kind of what I want to talk about: is how do you organize your thoughts, ideas, part numbers, etc. You're asking me, yeah? Question mark. <laughs> Actually, so, gosh, I set up,
1: I set up a Google Drive where I have a lot of what I work on through there, and um, because I'm starting a business with a buddy of mine, we came up with a file structure, and you know, we're starting a business, but we have a handful of different products we've been working on. And I've liked that file structure so much that I started implementing it with my own personal projects. And so mainly there's, it's a lot of that. I I try my best, even with my own personal projects where I'm the only one who will see it. I try to write some kind of a requirements document such that I can return to it. So like even just like a little word document that's like, this is what I think, Think the end result is going to be uh, and then go off of that but uh, beyond that there's a lot of shooting from the hip unless it is an actual project that I'm doing paid for someone else and then I try to be really really strict with, uh, with my documentation.
0: I usually do it in the form of like blog posts I guess and threads and discords and stuff like that. My big thing is like Recording my train of thought. So I have like a notepad too. So I'll write down a lot of stuff, take a lot of photos, especially if I'm actively building that, whatever it is. So I can refer, like I take a lot of photos of like, I get the box of the part, like brake rotors. And I'll take a picture of the brake rotor, like next to the, let's say the checker right now, next to the checker. So I know if I saw that photo, it's for the checker and it has the part number there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I do keep, like, a spreadsheet with part numbers and that kind of stuff. For random ideas, I just do a... Uh, I have just I have a Google Doc. Basically, a folder in my personal Google Doc that I just, like, toss... I'll make a new document and be like, this is the cat feeder unreminder. And just list a whole bunch of bullet points in there of, like, features it needs to do, these are components I'm thinking about using, etc. And then, eventually, that document would get turned into like the README document that would go into the GitHub for it. Cause usually I'll have a GitHub for whatever project it is. Even if it's a private or personal project, I'll have a GitHub for it to kind of just hold all the information. So eventually everything besides like car stuff, like part numbers and stuff for cars, most of it just will end up into a GitHub like software, hardware, firmware, etc. That all ends up into one GitHub repo for that project that has all the information required for it. Too bad there's not, like, a GitHub for, like, cars or something. I actually even know if that would work. Yeah, that sounds weird. Yeah. Usually I use, like, the end result would be, like, I'd make a blog post of, like, this is how I did the brakes on my checker. These are the parts I used. This is how I built it. That kind of stuff. Mainly I do that for me because... I know in like eight years, I'm going to, have to take the stupid thing apart again to fix something. And I'd like to know what like bearing I use inside the rotor. So I can just buy that part again or not buy that part because that was the part that broke. <laughs> right. So, so I've started a, a file
1: system for that, that uh, helps guide a project through all of the stages uh, and, and the way I've got things set up is I, I actually have four different folders. Uh, I have dev, proto, production, and discontinued. So anything I design, uh, like if I just have like a, a, a wacko, crazy-brained idea, that everything has to start in dev. So my dev folder has a whole bunch of just stuff. And, and each inside the dev folder, all of my ideas go there. So like a product and and like with a product that's just like an incomplete schematic goes in there and basically that's like the soup of ideas that are con- that's constantly bubbling but if it actually gets to the point where I'm like okay this is a viable thing that I actually want to spend some money on like it's not just brain power it will get moved from my dev folder to my proto folder. And that's when it's like, okay, I'm going to spend money. I'm actually going to buy a a board or, or actually build this entire thing. And the proto is where it goes through all the cycles of, you know, getting it ready for like, okay, could this, is this a, a viable thing that could actually be made? And once it passes through all of those checks, it moves into the production folder. And that's when it's a, like an actual thing that I could sell to somebody. And then there's a handful more checks that bring it to the discontinued folder if it's a uh, if it's done. But basically we've set it up where I have a handful of checkboxes basically like a like a I have a I have a document that you, we have to go through where it's like okay, we're moving from dev to proto or we're moving from proto to production. Here's all the all the checks that we have to go through. Here's all the things we have to have ready. And it's it's a manual process, but it at least keeps things organized in a way that like we don't ever have to question things. It's like, okay, is the where's this product in its design cycle? You can just look at the file structure, and it's there. Uh, it makes it a little bit cleaner. Basically, it's it's a way to manually do ERP stuff and project management, mm-hmm. uh, and that's worked out well enough that I've started using that for personal projects, like proto or production even if I'm building like one for something in my basement, I still like kind of handle it that way, at least in my own mind, because then, then it's like once it's in production and I've built one, I'm like, okay, this project is done. I can now move on to another one, even though like that doesn't mean a whole lot specifically. It just, it just works well for me. Mm-hmm.
0: It also helps keep track of like what you're actually working on. Um, yeah. Because when you have so many projects going on, it's, it's really hard to – it's you always get into that where, like, I have nothing to work on, and you, like, turn around, and there's, like, 40,000 projects that are, like, in half-done states, and you go on Amazon and buy parts for your new one, your new idea. Yeah. It helps really – writing stuff down and keeping that progress really helps keep you away from that, for me at least.
1: Yeah, it is – it is nice to just open the folder and be like I have time, what can I work on? Here's here's the stuff. Pick one of these things and work on it.
0: Yeah. So my in let's say car stuff, my in progress, I just have a big list of tasks that is build. So I'm like, okay, I need to do I'm going back to the brake example. It's like, okay, I need a, you know, these are the seals I need to install, this is the kind of grease I need to make sure I have. These are all like torque values I need, that kind of stuff. Like I even write all the torque values down, so I don't have to go scrounge around on the internet to find the torque value of, of like the bearing nut on the front end of a 1965 checker marathon. Yeah. <laughs> Which was not hard. To, it wasn't as hard as you think would to find that number, but it was definitely not like a number that was like the first result in Google. So I always write all those numbers down. Write down all the equations that you've used, you know, that kind of stuff. Just so you can go back and look at your math and be like, well, I was wrong.
1: <laughs> Speaking of that, a little bit of a of a tangent here, but, but in relation to that, we use MathCAD at work, which is super nice for doing exactly what you said. Basically, it's a program that allows you to type out your equations in a really clean format and it'll do math for you. It's basically like text pad, but it'll, it'll do math for you there. Hmm. And it's really nice because let's say your boss says, I need information about the reliability of this, this product. And I need all your equations based off of that. You can, you can make it look all pretty and throw it in a PowerPoint for a slide. And it, and it works really, really well. So if you haven't checked it out, check out Mathcad. I, I don't actually know. It can't be free. I'm looking at it right now. I, yeah, I don't know. Regard, it, it can't be free, but but if you do need to have like a repository of your equations that's in a nice format that you could share with somebody, Mathcad's a really great mm. tool for that.
0: So yeah, um, come hang out at our new circuit-break.macro.com. We need to have like a better shortener than that, but uh, yeah, we'll have the link to this one discussion that we're having now about organizing and documenting your projects. Because I know some people use, like, Hackaday.io, which is a great platform for ha- building your project on.
1: Yeah. The, it's it's so, probably
0: more like my style, which is, like, writing articles and blog posts and that kind of stuff.
1: What's cool... Okay, so we're start The the community's starting to grow. We, we're starting to get a handful more people. And there's a whole section for personal projects where if you are interested and you have a personal project that you'd like to share, there's uh You can certainly come up there and then write up stuff, put images in. In fact, what's cool is as we're recording this, P. Sampson put up a whole project about a 3D printer enclosure with a whole bunch of really cool ideas in that. So that just popped up 25 minutes ago on there. So oh, that's cool. I'm really excited about this community. I think this is what we were hoping Slack could be, but it just wasn't going to work out. This is a lot better.
0: Yeah, yeah. And actually, by the time this podcast comes out, the Slack community will be gone. Rip Slack.
1: Yeah, this is this is significantly better. There is chat in uh, in the new.
0: It's not it's definitely not the forefront. Like Slack is just chat, but it is there at least. So you do have some asynchronous chatting.
1: Yeah. If you want to just get on and not like post something, if you just want to say hello. Yeah.
0: Go to chat. You can do that. But I would say if you have, like, a more in-depth question, just make a thread. No one's going to judge you. Well, Stephen might, but I don't. <laughs> you, you might get a troll face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, let's go on to personal project updating. So the box truck, since we last left off, I was working on, like, setting up where I was going to put the batteries. And uh, I decided to completely shift gears on that. Originally, I was going to mount the batteries in waterproof boxes and mount them underneath the box truck. And actually, I got really far down that path. I like I have waterproof server racks to put the server batteries in. Um, I even made a rack or a cage, I guess you can call it. Fancy bracket that the waterproof enclosures could go into. And then I looked at it and I looked at the side of the box truck and looked at it again. And I'm like, Huh, to get it to go under there, I need to lift the box truck up. Uh Uh-oh. Because the box truck has got, like, skirts on the side, like, lower, basically to improve wind resistance, like, it has, like, skirts. Mm -hmm. And the skirts are, like, so low to the ground that I can barely wiggle underneath it at some spots. So it's, like, you know, I want to say, like, 10 inches tall in the front edge, and I mean, the boxes themselves are like 14 inches. So it's like, well, I had to go lift the box truck, which is not a big problem. I have jacks, I could easily lift it. But I was thinking in my brain, I'm like, man, if I have to do maintenance on these batteries or anything like that, like if I need to remove them, I have to lift the truck up and drop them out again. Ooh, that sucks. And I'm like, man, that's not, that is not fun or anything like that. So I, I ended up building a, rack inside of my box truck that i'm just going to put a a counter over and so the batteries are inside the box truck now i built a two inch box tubing frame and just bolted it to the floor i did that a couple of weeks ago so i actually got the batteries all wired up and talking to the inverter i use like four gauge wiring so i'm, I'm basically going to support 200 amps to the inverter And four-gauge wiring to the inverter is, like, the max you can put into that inverter. Like, the terminal size is capped at four-gauge. So I use four-gauge wiring, and then I got a Class-T fuse. So the batteries themselves have, like, their own built-in breakers that will trip. But I put a Class-T fuse on the whole battery box, basically. So when it comes, it basically comes out of the battery box, and the first thing it hits is this Class-T fuse and then that goes into the inverter. So I don't think I'm aware. What, what is a class T fuse? What makes it class T? It's a specific fuse that's designed for really, really high energy events. Okay. So it can handle, like, lithium batteries have a, can discharge a lot of energy at once. Some classes of fuses can't really even handle that much energy, and they will, like, explode. Mm. Now, they'll still break. Most of the time, but they'll just explode in doing so. Class C fuse is designed to not do that. It'll still break at the, its rated amperage, but it won't, like, destruct itself. It's basically a high-energy fuse. So it's, like, high-voltage ratings. You're talking, like, I think one kilovolt is, like, the rating on this fuse. And it's also just the high-energy. It's, like, something, like, it could contain, like, I don't want to say what the actual number. It's, like, 100,000 amps or something like that. Hmm. Now, the fuse will break at 150. I think it's what I have it set to, um, which one I bought. But like they can just handle really high energy events, like dropping a screwdriver across a lithium battery terminal, (laughs) (laughs) like the 48-volt rail. (laughs) So, So got that put in. So the thing about Class T fuses, though, that I didn't know about is they come in different sizes. So if you're basically out there Looking to put in a Class D... So, Class D fuses are, or similar kind of fuses is what you want to use for a big battery bank like this. They have the body that's like the big bolt terminals, right? On the sides? Yeah, big bolt terminals, yeah. So, the, okay. the thing is, is there's different size... I think there's three different sizes of Class T fuses. The larger the amperage, the bigger the fuse gets. And so, the, the distance between the terminals and the size of the terminals increase as it's in these ranking in these uh, sizes. And so you kind of have to find what class T fuse you want first, buy it or see what the size is and then make sure your holder fits it. I did it the opposite way. I bought a holder and then I bought my fuse and the fuse didn't and it hit was the holder, and I couldn't get a fuse small enough to fit the medium sized class T fuse. So I had to get a different holder. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So I had to buy two holders. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. Hey, I just view it as I have another class T holder for even bigger battery bank down the future. That goes in the class
1: T holder drawer, right? Yeah. <laughs> that you have somewhere in that garage. Yeah.
0: <laughs> where, where Where's the fuse actually mounted in the truck? It's on the battery box. Oh, okay. It's right there. So like my rack yeah. that ha- put the batteries in, it's mounted on that. So it's literally like six inches of wiring from the last battery goes into it. So it's like the shortest route to the fuse as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically the safest way I can make it. And again, the batteries themselves have their own built-in, you know, breakers so that if something happens in between the batteries and like internally, they have their own BMS and all that crazy lithium battery stuff. It's as safe as I can make it. Are these
1: fuses rated for, like, do they have, they have to have some kind of a life rating on them, but but in terms of environmental, like, if they're just sitting in your truck and the truck's not cooled, right, uh, they will go through temperature cycles and they'll age and things. You're probably going to have to replace it at some point in time.
0: Maybe, but probably not at the, how hard I'm going to be using them or not using them. Yeah. This is the oh shit switch, right? Yes. This is the oh shit switch for sure. This is, you have the electrical box open and you accidentally drop the screwdriver across the terminals. (laughs) Right. For some reason, you had the batteries on when you're doing that, which you shouldn't have them on, but, you know.
1: Yeah, this is protect Parker during maintenance. Yes.
0: Or something really, or like a wreck happens, right? Right. And like the battery or the inverter box gets completely destroyed in a wreck and then the leads cross. So... (laughs) and explodes and then there's a big
1: fire yeah
0: if you didn't have the fuse yeah right so that's the it's actually the battery side is done on the box truck for the living area i I just call it the box side there's the box side and there's the truck side which actually is a van but whatever so the box side the but that's brand new there shouldn't be a whole lot for you to do right right? Oh, the truck side's been done. That was the first thing I did. Okay. Like put in the, the oh, okay. <laughs> transmission cooler and all that stuff. I already did all that stuff. Yeah. yeah like yeah. the lift gate. That's all done. That's been done for a while. So it's all box side stuff. So the battery wiring's all done for that. The 48 volt battery wiring. Now the 48 volt rail is not done yet. Um, I need to put in, I basically need to write down a list of like all the devices I want to run off 48 volts so I can set up a breaker panel. I did find some breakers that work with like, because it's really hard to find DC rated breakers because most breakers are AC rated and you need much beefier like springs to break a DC connection. And uh, they're from a company called midnight solar and night is N I T E. So midnight solar, they make the M N E D C. They make them through five to 100 amp breakers and they support 150 volt DC. Oh, wow. And I'd be breaking 48, so I'm okay. And these are like panel mount breakers. They're probably super loud if they break. Oh, probably, yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's, I have to put together the panel for the 48 volt side. I already got a 48 volt to 12 volt converter. It's something like 40 amps on the 12 volt side. Oh, geez. So that's the handle, any 12 volt stuff in the box. Cause like lighting, that kind of stuff needs to be 12 volt, like normal RV stuff. And then the inverter side, I have to put in a bus bar system, you know, breaker system for 120 volt AC stuff. Um, So I haven't done that side yet, but I am almost done with what's called the shore power. So this is like, if I had to plug in the truck, like an RV hookup and, um, I have all the parts. Actually, the last part came in today, so I should be able to work on it over the weekend to get it done, is uh, I have some cable seals so I can pass the cabling from underneath the truck into the truck. That was actually really hard to find was wire glands. You know when you build like a waterproof box, you have those like wire gland nuts Mm -hmm. where like you pass the wire and you crank down the outside and it like cinches up and makes it watertight? Yeah, but this one's going to be a big one. Well, it's not just a big one, but it's one that can handle the thickness of the floor because most of those wire glands are designed for, like, sheet metal, like maybe a quarter-inch thick material at max. Oh, yeah, max. But I have five-fourths-inch-thick plywood floors, so it's inch and a quarter, and I could not find a wire gland that would handle that thickness. And so these are actually cable seals by a company called Seaview. And they actually mount on the surface. So they have like, they're like a two-piece seal or three-piece seal, I guess. So there's like a, there's a plastic piece that mounts your surface that has a seal on the back side of it. So it seals against that surface. And then the inside gland is more like a rubber stopper. And so that, you drill your hole, put your cable in. And then there's an outside clamshell that squeezes everything together to make it seal. Those finally arrived today, so I can actually pass the cables up into the box. Nice. Like, I could literally probably just drill a hole and then put some, like, silicon goop in there. But I'm also looking at, this is, like, vibration-resistant, you know, give some wire uh, strain relief there. So, so you're going through the floor
1: of the box truck with your cable. Is that just going off to an RV port on the
0: side? Yeah, so actually I have... I'm setting it up for 120-volt, 30-amp service, which is like the max my inverter can handle on the short power side. And I have some uh, NEMA SS2-50P. Actually, it would be the R, the receptacles. So 50R. That's like the industry standard, or at least in the United States, twist-lock style plugs. Now, they can handle... 240 volt, 50 amps, but I went ahead and just put the big plugs in because they cost the same as a smaller plug. So that's what our,
1: uh, brewer eggs run on, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 So it's the same plug twist lock plug. And that's what all the RV sites use, at least the newer ones. And you can get a converter to make it go down to the smaller size if you need it and that kind of stuff. So I just went ahead and just put the big plug in. And then I'm running a 10 gauge, three conductor, kind of like Romex, but not, it's actually described as like marine grade Romex. Uh, Romex is the kind of wiring that you run in your walls of your house. So it has an outer PVC jacket that's really thick with a lot of UV inhibitors. It's actually UL1426 certified, which is like the Coast Guard cert for like wiring on boats. Really high end stuff, high voltage rating. All the wires are tinned, so that wiring will probably outlast the entire truck. <laughs> that that doesn't sound cheap. No, I think it was like 80 bucks for 30 feet of it.
1: Yeah, okay, that's not cheap.
0: Yeah, it was not cheap stuff. But yeah, 10-gauge, which is, again, the maximum wiring I could put into the inverter. And I'm actually putting in two plugs, one on each side. So it doesn't matter where you how you park it, you can easily just reach... And also, I didn't mount the plugs on the side of the box. They're, like, underneath the box. So, like, you don't know that they're there. Kind of, like, stealthy. Because hmm. um, I, on the outside, I want it to still look like a box truck, right? Right. I don't want to have, like, plugs all over it and that kind of stuff. Are you going to paint the truck? Uh, I'm thinking about getting the wrap, but I don't know yet. What would you wrap it with? Don't know yet. Oh, okay. It's just white right now, right? Yeah. It just looks like... I'd rather just be white than paint it a color because it's like it's going to be in the summer in texas like why would you want to paint it a color that makes it hotter
1: (laughs) i guess yeah i just didn't know if you had any ideas or thoughts behind that to distinguish it in some way flame decals because i mean it is a box truck that you're planning on taking camping which these things don't normally go together (laughs) like that's fine but hey i no, no no worries i think it's i think it's cool so. How, how far
0: are you away from taking it camping? Really, all I really need to get done is like the less electronics, and technically I can just go camping in it then. But I want to get like all the plumbing and stuff done too. So, because you were going to add a shower in it, weren't you? It's going to have a shower. I'm not, I'm getting all the electrical done first before I do it. Right. And then the next thing is going to be the plumbing and shower. Right. And then next after that's going to be like, the sleeping area, and then um, the kitchen, kitchen, and then the ceiling insulation and that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you you've got a pretty hefty amount of work until oh, yeah. it's
0: considered done. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. I'm hoping to be camping it by this time next year. We will see. I think once I get a lot of the big infrastructure items in, it will go a lot faster. Because a lot of this is me still trying to figure out how to properly do the wiring part. It's like, I know how to build beds. I know how to build a shower. I know how to do that stuff. Properly setting up 10 kilowatts of, a kilowatt hours of lithium batteries safely into an inverter on a moving platform is definitely not up my wheelhouse yet. So, <laughs> Okay,
1: so the, the, the sides of the box truck are, are what? What are they made of?
0: It's aluminum siding with a solid core or a solid foam... What's it called? Uh, closed cell. Closed cell foam, polystyrene. So it's aluminum, polystyrene, aluminum. Okay. So actually the sides are already insulated. So can you
1: take some of the aluminum off? Like, in other words, are you trying to run wiring inside
0: of the foam or are you- Oh, you can't. No, you can't. It's too thin for that.
1: Okay. I didn't think so. No. So how are you distributing wiring throughout the, the- The ceiling. Okay. So it spiders throughout the ceiling and then you do drops down the walls or something like that? Yeah. It drops down the wall. Okay, okay, gotcha. And then are you just putting those in, like, I don't know, do you have some kind of protection
0: for the wiring? Well, I don't really need to drop that much power. You got to think this box truck's not that big. Yeah, And you don't really need a lot of, like, you need a 120-volt outlet, like, by the bed area. You need probably one in the kitchen and then one in the workshop area. So that's, like, three.
1: But wait, what about the computer gaming area? You're going to have a whole like desk and computer
0: area, right? No, the um, <laughs> the sleeping arrangements is going to be set up to be also like eating and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you wanted to do desk work, it would have to be there. Sure. Same thing with like the 48 volts. A lot, a lot of the 48 volt DC stuff is going to be appliance based. So they just get dedicated runs. And a lot of the 12 volt stuff is that way too, where like I'll put like 12 volt adapters, you know, around basically, you know, cigarette style adapters around the box truck. But most of it is appliances and and lighting, not really places the plug in. Sure, sure. Yeah, you're going to have a few mains plugs in there. (laughs) Yeah, but not a lot. Right. Because I don't really need a lot. I'll probably put four inside the box truck. Right. Right. And then I'm actually thinking about putting one in the back, you know, like underneath, so you can plug in a tool with an extension cord or something outside. Yeah. 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 The shore power is almost done. Basically, once I get the shore power done, then I'll write down all the appliances and stuff and put in the breakers on my panel for the 48 volt, the 12 volt, the 120 volt AC stuff. And then once that's done, then I can kind of consider the electrical part done. Cause then once I put the appliance in, it's run the power to it you know, um, and I have conduit. I had like, some really flexible conduit that I can mount into the ceiling and run the wires in. And the ceiling itself, I'm putting uh, basically two inches of insulation. So that's where I can run all the wiring and conduit up there, you know, in between the insulation. Right, and, and then just it pops out of the insulation, basically. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's where most of the wiring is going to go live. And if it's slumped and I can't run it that way, it'll just go underneath the box truck and then go up and over.
1: Right through the floor, right? Yeah, through the floor. Just pop out and pop back into the box. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Have you designed the kitchen
0: area yet? Kind of. I'm setting it up so that my, I have a, this really nice like wooden chuck box I built for camping that I'm going to use it as like the centerpiece of the kitchen. And so like, there'll be like a counter with basically a hole cut out into it that This truck box slides into because it has my stove and most of my uh, cooking utensils and that stuff's kind of built into it. So that way, if I'm if I'm actually out camping and I want to go cook outside, I just can pick that up and then slide it out the back of the box truck and I can cook outside. I don't have to have like two. I don't have to have an indoor and an outdoor kitchen. I can just use the same stuff. Well, but you
1: wouldn't use that propane stove inside the box truck, would you? It's not propane, it's white gas, and the answer is yes, I'll be using it inside the box truck. Oh, okay, gotcha, okay. Yeah. Are you bringing any electric appliances, or were you just planning on going gas for all of it? Uh, the will
0: would be a small microwave, but that's it. Okay, something you can just blast things real fast. And, like, if you want a blender, you can bring a blender, I guess. Yeah. Got to have your margaritas.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure how how nitty-gritty you were getting with the design of, like, do you have everything like dimensioned out and say, like, this is where this goes? And like- oh, no.
0: So I'm designing, like, all the shelving to hold basically, like, milk crates yes. plus, like, two inches on top. Yeah. So I know I'm like, okay, I can fit this many milk crates in this area. So you can slide them out, put your appliances in, and slide it back in. Yeah. And then basically the shelving will be set up to where, like, the crate can go, you know, slide up and then you can, like, latch and so it doesn't slide out and that kind of stuff. Right, right. I, I'm not getting to where, like, this is where all the forks go. And this is where all the knives go. Well, I, I didn't know if you feel like if the, the idea was to be that nitty gritty with everything. Oh, no, no,
1: no. Uh, you're just going to build an area and then figure it out, basically.
0: Yeah, because it's it's I know whatever I design is never going to last. I'm going to want to change it down the road. So I'd like <laughs> to design the yeah. s- setup to be more flexible and how it's used. Because I'd rather it be that way than be like, well... I really wish I could put a uh, zucchini slicer where that blender hole is at. I've always been a
1: sucker for like these pre-planned things where everything has like a perfect spot. Uh, I was watching a woodworker on YouTube the other day. They they built a cabinet that they had been planning for like a decade or something like that. It was something that they always wanted this and they finally built it. And there was literally a spot for every tool. And like the spots were all like perfectly cut out and everything fit nicely. And it was so meticulous. And uh, I don't know, there's just something really beautiful about that. And I was wondering if you were trying to get anywhere. Actually, you know, that brings up another, another thing we had talked about, a, a box for cocktails for you a while ago. And we had talked about doing something similar to that where like you open this box and every, every little thing that needed to go in that box had like a very well-defined place that it went. and such that like you couldn't put things back in that box in the wrong spot. Like, they had, like, a predefined place that was cut out for them. It, I, it'd be
0: kind of cool if your kitchen was like that,
1: too, in there. But that's probably a lot of brain power that you don't want to
0: put into it. It's not really the brain power. It's just I know it's going to change. Like, what I want to bring yeah. to cook with or appliances-wise. Or, like, two years down the road, the microwave shits the bed. And I have to go get a new microwave. And the new microwave yeah. doesn't fit in that hole. <laughs> True. Which actually happened to my parents. My parents had a really nice, like, built-in microwave. And Hurricane Ike took it out. and And they couldn't find one that fit that hole. So they had to bring out a carpenter and redo that section of the kitchen. Oh, that's awful. Oh, another one, too. So my parents, again, with my parents and how they designed that house, is they had this really nice counter in the utility room. That's right above their washer and dryer. It's like perfectly fit. It's designed for only the only ones you can fit are this particular brand of Bosch washer and dryers. Everything else is too tall. <laughs> I can't find another washer and dryer to replace those Bosches. Oh, that sucks. Everything else is too tall. So you'd have to demo out this really nice tiled countertop that's amazing. You'd have to demo that out and put new ones in there, like put new shelving and stuff. And is it like a matter of like a quarter of an inch or a matter of like three inches? It's like two inches. (laughs) Okay, that sucks. For some reason, these Bosches are just short. These washer and dryers are short.
1: Yeah, that's the danger
0: of, of, you know, custom built-in
1: stuff like that. Yeah. Like microwaves, stoves, refrigerators, they do have... Guidelines on, you know, if you pick this size of nook for that thing to go in, you're gonna hit the bell curve of all those appliances, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess your folks picked the way edge
0: of the bell curve, yeah, way edge of appliances, <laughs> and built to that. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> so I, I, I want to be more flexible on how it's put together. Yeah. So that way, if I have to go replace stuff down the road, and that was kind of what like with what the battery set up to. It's like if I build a super custom way to put the hold the batteries, I know in like a decade it's going to bite me in the butt when I have to do maintenance and like replace one. I won't be able to replace them easily, but at least now I'm using like the standard rack mount system so I can just slide new batteries in if I need them.
1: Right. Right.
0: And I don't have to go like in the mud and drop 100 pounds of batteries on my head while lifting the box truck up. (laughs)
1: Yeah, right. I was about to say with a jack on a, on a huge box truck.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm like as cool as it would be to have like foam cutouts for forks. Nothing I'm going to do that.
1: Are you adding a ladder to such that you can get reach the top of things because if you're putting solar panels up there it'd be nice to just spray them off, right?
0: Yeah, I'm actually it's actually mostly for um I'm setting up the so yeah, we talked about this a little bit with like my roof rack and stuff. Right. By the way, all the parts are on order. All the uh, aluminum extrusions on order. We're just waiting for it to show up. I found a vendor here in in Houston that you can just order through and you don't have to pay shipping or anything. As long as you go with a big enough truck to go pick it up because they come in 20-foot sticks. Well, go figure. You have a box truck. I have a box truck that can fit in (laughs) it. But yeah, the uh, roof rack, I'm going to... Cause I'm not going to just buy a RV one cause they're really flimsy, but basically I'm, I'll have a ladder that I want to be able to store underneath the box truck and then I can pull it out and extend it and hook it onto the roof rack. Mm. So you can get up there cause you know, cause solar panels do, I mean, they're really robust. It's surprisingly how robust they are made out of glass and aluminum. They do break. And if they do break, you know, you don't want to just be out of power. So you, you have to be able to get up there and you know bypass them and that kind of stuff. I want that capability, and also like a roof rack, so you can get up there and clean them if you need to. Or yeah, if
1: they get a bunch of you know tree pollen falling on them, that gets sticky, sticky and then and yeah, uh, and your efficiency will go to garbage. So yes. you, you like after camping, it'd be you know you could roll up to one of those spray cleaner places, climb the ladder, and just blast
0: them off. Yeah, blast all of its stuff off. Yeah, so that's I. I it's going to have a ladder that you can store underneath the box truck and then uh, pull it back out when you need it. Cool. Cause also I was thinking like, you know, solar is really cool, but I'll probably eventually get a a wind turbine too for it. Cause a lot of places I go to is really, really windy. And uh, you can make a lot of power when it's not sunny. Cause like if a storm is rolling in, you make a lot of power with a wind turbine. Mm -hmm. But the wind turbine would have to mount to like the box truck rack. So you have to be able to go up there and like, you know, flip it up and that kind of stuff. Right. That's way down the road. I'm I'm planning on it and like making sure I have and leave enough room in my electrical box to put that kind of stuff in there. I'm not planning on that being like a year down the road. That's like Yeah, that, that that's that's season two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Season two, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot more work than people think it is to build one of these things. I knew it was gonna be a lot of work. It's mostly just finding the right parts and then making sure I'm ordering the right things. Cause I've never done this before. And the correct way to wire a solar panel system, especially as big as one I'm making, there's not a lot of information about, especially on a box truck. Most, and most people just like use a lot of like silicone glue and stuff and kind of glue crap together. And I'm like, no, I want to build it. I want to build it. What I feels like it's right. Very custom. Yeah. Very custom. But, I mean, I built a whole custom electrical box that fits in, like, the wall of my box truck. Right. But yeah, I'd rather it be more, cu- like, that kind of stuff is easily customizable. But, yeah, for, like, the kitchen and stuff we were talking about before the couple of weeks ago was, you know, make it out of aluminum extrusion. And then my plan is to just drive up to Steven's house and use his brand-new CNC to cut out all the wood parts. And then we kind of just, you know, screw them down onto the aluminum extrusion. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun It and super easy. Because I would make a really light but strong um, setup. And if I do have to adjust it later, it'd be a lot easier to adjust the uh, furniture if I need to. But yeah, if um, come check out circuit-brake.macreb.com. That's our new community site. We're talking about the box truck wiring. There's a whole section here we didn't talk about, which is the AC selector and uh, protection panel. That's I'm actually making that its own topic on our community forum but yeah thank you for listening to circuit break we're your hosts parker Dillman. and steven craig later on. take it easy thank you yes you are a listener for downloading and listening to our podcast if you have a cool idea project or topic let Steve and i know and post it in our circuit break community discourse hub Tweet us at MacFab at Longhorn Engineer, or at analog ENG or emails at podcast at macfab.com. But I'd rather you go to Macfab.com slash community and that will dump you into the circuit break discourse.